Oh, what'd you do for the 4th of July? Oh, we didn't really do anything. We, uh, yeah. we had chili dogs. Oh, nice. Yeah. I sang, sucking on chili dog outside the taste of freeze. <laughs> I sang some cougar, cougar, melon, cougar, and then I was stuck in <laughs> Danny's head all day. <laughs> and um, yeah, Danny had to work the next day, so oh, you know, and had to go to bed real early. So I worked on a couple little, you know, projects here and there, but nothing too crazy. Yeah, yeah. What'd you guys do? I had my mom, sister, and cousin come over, mm-hmm. and then Zeth and I grilled up we were the only alamo people people there oh okay so we we grilled for them and oh, then that's yeah. fun my dog came over <gasps> bark ruffalo yes my dog bark ruffalo <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to meet bark ruffalo i've never yeah. met him He's, uh, he is not a nice he's dog not, he's, he's not nice <laughs> i remember you telling me that <laughs> he'll just bark at you okay he um, so when he comes over, I mm-hmm. ask permission, obviously, from my roommates of, like, yeah. can there be a dog in the house? Yeah. And they're fine with it. And then Sage was like, don't let the dog on the couch. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, man, Sage listens. <laughs> <laughs> Sage listens to the podcast. Shit. And I was like, okay, Sage, dog won't get on the couch. Dog does what he wants. <laughs> he got on the couch. Oh, no. And then we picked him up, set him down, and he got back up, and then I went, Mm. <laughs> he doesn't shed anyway, so. Ah, uh, uh, that's great. Sage uh, is not allowed to get mad at me. Nope. Because, because uh, I feel like this can't. is like a confessional. Like it you is. can't get mad because I'm he, confessing something. We. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, we were at Wheelan's as we do Wheelan Wednesdays. Oh yeah, yeah. And he, I said a, I said a story that I've said on the podcast, mm-hmm. and Sage went, "Oh yeah, you've told me that before." And we sat there for like a few minutes, and he was like, "No, no, I just heard that on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's great. Speaking yeah. of, we're doing the. Danny and I are both super excited about the forty-eight hour film festival. Yes, wherein the Alamo mm-hmm. and the Birdcage Alamo. are combining forces. Yep. To make a movie. Yep. I'm excited. I am too. I'm a little nervous. Um, Me too. Looking through the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the potential genres. Yeah. So for the listeners. Yes. You get two, right? You pick two yes. genres and then between the two, you pick one to mm-hmm. then cover. Yes. And some of the genres are pretty doable. Yeah. And then some of them are like musical mm-hmm. and period piece yeah and then there was one more oh there was like um it wasn't coming of age but it was like age difference yeah yeah and i was like we have to find a child (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know where we find where do you get one of those (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where you find them do we just go to a park and ask a rental store (laughs) rent it like a mic back there (laughs) We need one child actor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for some. A little anxious about what's to come. Yes. But. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Keeks and I are doing um, the art department, basically. Mm-hmm. Everything aesthetic we, we will be in charge of. 
We were sitting there and like assigning roles. Uh huh. And no, I was talking about it with my sister and assigning roles. And I was like, obviously, yeah, like mm-hmm. Cassie and Danny, they have Danny has film and like editing and stuff. Uh huh. And then Cassie's makeup. And then Sage is obviously film, and then Zeth can act, and he also knows how to, mm-hmm. like, edit and stuff. And she's like, okay, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, listen, we'll find a place for me. <laughs> there will be many, many roles to fill. Mm-hmm. You'll be one one of them. <laughs> I would love to see you act. I think it would be great. Uh... <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Oh, hello. Hi. It's a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're chilling. Yep. Drinking Tell our hint. Our hint water. Mm-hmm. Super good. Mm-hmm. What kind did you have? Watermelon. Watermelon. Mm-hmm. A raspberry. 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 That's and Cassie with the raspberry. Hi. I'm here. Cassie, what's up? <laughs> I'm Kiana with the watermelon. Mm-hmm. Danny's here with the peach. She's got a peach. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's her jam. She likes peach everything. That's good. My sister doesn't. Really? Yeah. It's because yeah. she had a four loco. Oh, <laughs> that'll ruin a lot of things. Yeah. Back when four locos were worse for you. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a time when they were worse for you? Yeah. Did they, they don't have to reformulate them so they weren't killing people? Yeah. They oh. don't have as much, I think, energy drink component in it anymore. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because that was crazy shit. People were dying left and right. Mm-hmm. Part- <laughs> <laughs> for those who didn't hear, Danny said, uh, it was loco. <laughs> Fucking peanut gallery over here. <laughs> I'm going to make you a shirt that says peanut gallery. Oh, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be cute. It'll be a bunch of peanuts. Oh, yeah. And you make nice shirts because you have the little cricket. I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm real good with puffy paint. <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> so um, it is twenty episode 25? Yep. Yeah. 25. So, you go first this quarter week. of a way to 100. We are. We are just about halfway down our our giant list mm-hmm. which surprised the shit out of Kiana with how big it actually is yeah <laughs> i put a picture on instagram but you're right it just because it just kind of looks like a, a sheet of paper yeah it's two poster boards taped together yeah it's huge it's, <laughs> it's the size of the wall yeah almost the size of the door just a little yeah. shorter yeah, than it's the door a little shorter than the door big <laughs> she's yeah she's sizable yeah and we're gonna add to that Today. Mm-hmm. Yay! 25. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Big you're going first. Yes. Who are you talking about today? I will be talking about Sekhmet. Oh, okay. Yes. I know who that is. Yes. A little bit. A little bit about her. So, she is... Uh, sources first. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Uh, Egyptiangods.org, mm-hmm. which just tells you she's an Egyptian god. Um, Egyptianmyth.org. Actually, that was wrong. Egyptianmyth.net. Oh, dot net. <laughs> yes. Wow. And Wikipedia, obviously. Obvious. Very, very few sources. The Egyptian God website was real good. A lot of links. Yeah. A lot of, like, hyperlinks. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, what's this? Boof. What's the story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Also, so shout out to them. Weird that we're doing 
Egypt two weeks in a row. Yeah. It was I, unplanned, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm i doing sec- segment because I saw two of her statues at the Penn Museum That's in right. Philadelphia. Uh-huh. I was... Did a lot of, like, on-the-field study work. When uh-huh. I was in Philadelphia, every museum I went into, if I read a woman's name, like, historically, uh-huh. I was like, take a picture. She'd probably be on the podcast now. Awesome. <laughs> so this is one of those. Because the Penn Museum had, like, a whole Egyptian wing. Mm-hmm. That nice. Was fun. So Sekhmet is the Egyptian goddess of the sun, war, destruction, plagues, pestilence, protection, cows, love, and healing. She's got a whole roster of things to take care of. She has her fingers and all the pies. Is that that phrase? (laughs) (laughs) Was that that phrase? (laughs) Did I make that up? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, you you slice it, it sounds odd to have your fingers in a bunch of pies. Well, what's the... (laughs) 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 Hands in all the baskets? No. I swear there's a saying. I'm looking it up right now. This you is live. Somebody please look it up because I don't think you stick your fingers in pies. I think it is. I mean, I've heard too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many fingers in pies. The phrase is usually to have a finger in every pie. Really? Yes. That's, it just sounds weird. So it's an idiom that could be used positively to show that someone ha- is energetic and uses a variety or has a variety of skills and interests. Well, so I got my fingers in lots of pies too. <laughs> <laughs> fingers in pie club. <laughs> so we are. <laughs> There's fingers in pots too. Fingers in pots? I prefer pies. Yeah. It's pot pie. (laughs) A nice warm chicken pot pie. (laughs) (laughs) I put my finger in this pie. Anyways, uh, (laughs) let the record reflect that I was right. And that that look Cassie gave me that made me really self-conscious wasn't wasn't nice. It wasn't warranted. (laughs) No. I'm sorry. Okay. So, segment. I got one sentence in and you already are giving me a hard time. So Sekhmet comes from the root Sekhem, which means to be strong, mighty, and violent. Mm. Uh, she's one of the oldest deities and one of the most powerful as well. So she's often represented as a woman wearing a red dress with the head of a lioness. Oh, okay. And then a sun disc on her head mm-hmm. circled by cobras. Oh. Yeah. By cobras. Okay. So she's a member of the Memphite triad, thought to be the wife of Ptah and the mother of Nefertium. Being the mother of Nefertium, who himself is a healing god, gave her a more protective side that manifests itself in her aspect of the goddess of healing and surgery. Mm, okay. However, her protective side is also included in that of, like, violent retribution. Uh-huh. So to protect the ones she loves, she'll go to war. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was believed to use arrows to kill her enemies with fire, and her breath was like the hot is the hot desert wind. Oh. Like you know how the uh-huh. lore. Yeah. Lore translates into like explaining a phenomenon. Yep. yep. So sh- her hot breath is the desert wind. <laughs> That's what mine felt like this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you wake up every morning. I'm segment. <laughs> <laughs> So, she's the goddess of the sun, as I said earlier, but 
so Ra, mm-hmm. the big the big guy, the big Kahuna, is the god of the sun. Yes, and Sekhmet is the goddess of the sun. However, the connotations with them are different. Okay, so they're both sun people, but Ra represents like creation and life that's associated with mm-hmm. the sun, and Sekhmet represents like scorching and searing and like the burning oh, heat associated with the sun. Gotcha, and it's sort of translates to like her wrath. Gotcha. She's okay. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So her origin story is in the story of Ra. Okay. Uh, as legend goes, or at least the, the truncated version that I'm about to tell you, Ra, who came from the sky goddess Nun mm-hmm. or Noon, created everything as we know it in the beginning of Egypt. Mm-hmm. He created lands, the other gods and goddesses, and humankind. After he did this, he took a human form and then ruled over the humans as the pharaoh. And that's why pharaohs are believed to be connected to gods. Okay. Yes. Uh, because the first one was a god. Was a god. But, so he's highly respected and worshipped, but because he's in a human form, he begins to age and grow weaker. Mm. And humankind then were like, uh, this guy lied to us. Like, <laughs> look at, he's getting old. Right? Yeah. So they, like, started doubting him and, like, talking shit. And this pissed him off. So he Naturally. gathered. He's <laughs> like, I'm a god. Yeah. You don't talk shit about you. Mm-hmm. I made you. I will smite you. <laughs> so uh, he, went, he went to the gods and goddesses, like, his, all of his children, and then also to the goddess Noon, his mm-hmm. mother, and was like, what do, what do I do? Because they're pissing me off. <laughs> and, but I'm in a human form, so I can't exactly, like, kill them right away. Yeah. Like, I'd have to wait a little bit until I'm back into my god form. Absolutely. And so Noon was like, why don't you go ahead, pop that eye out of your socket. Okay. And then use this eye to then seek revenge on humankind. So he popped his eye out, did what she said, and then from the eye emerged Sekhmet. Oh. Yes. Okay. And just... <laughs> I was trying to explain the story to Zeth. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know the Egyptian eye that we know, yes. like, visually? Uh-huh. So, that's not the eye of Ra. That's the eye of Horus. Yes. Who's later in, like, mythology. Uh-huh. But the way, I, <laughs> way people can understand it, the eye of Ra walked so that the eye of Horus could run in terms of... Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm getting my idioms mixed up today, I think. But, like, the Eye of Ra was a thing, and it represents almost the exact same thing as the Eye of Horus. Yes. But then the Eye of Horus came, and it was like, eh, this one's better. Gotcha. You know yes. what? Yes. Okay. okay. I understand where you went with that. I was like, eyeballs are walking and running. I'm confused. He told me not to say it, and I did. <laughs> I should just listen to it. Look, you're not the only one in the room who knows better and still does it anyway. So, it's fine. <sighs> okay, back to segment. <laughs> and running eyeballs. So, she's emerged from his eye. Mm-hmm. After she was created, the other gods and goddesses were like, quote, send them the glance of your eye in the form of segment. And he was like, dope, I will. <laughs> so, she went and like pillaged 
all of Egypt. Oh. Uh, she slaughtered communities and, like, rejoiced in the slaughter. Yeah, yeah. Drank their blood and spared no one. Mm. Uh, she was making her way through Upper and Lower Egypt in the name of vengeance. And it was said that she slayed so many people that her victim's blood mm-hmm. caught, that she didn't drink, caused the Nile to run red. Oh. Uh, she acquired the title the Scarlet Lady because of her lust for blood. And the reason that she's often depicted wearing a red dress uh-huh. is because it's supposed to be oh. drenched in blood. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she's so fearsome and so brutal that even Ra was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, this is... <laughs> I was a little bit angry, but, like, you need to dial it back. Yeah. Because, like, essentially humankind just talks shit. And then Sekhmet was like, ah, I shall kill all of them for it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, maybe I overreacted. Like, maybe I just got my feelings hurt. Dial back that moxie sasma. (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, okay, Sekhmet, Uh stop, we're done. And she was like what no like this is why i was created i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna keep drinking the blood of the people i'm having a good time mm-hmm. too bad uh, and so Ra had to replan his strategy and instead of telling her to stop he was like okay fine you can kill people but just go to the specific field she's like okay that sounds fine so she goes there but the night before he had dyed beer red with pomegranate juice so that the beer looked like blood and he okay. flooded the fields with it. With beer. Yes. With Flavored beer. with pomegranate juice. Yes. Col- colored with pomegranate juice. Oh, okay. I was like, some hipster has definitely made pomegranate beer. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and it sounds good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, so she arrives to this field that's flooded, sees, sees the blood, and is like, oh, I already came here. But look at all this tasty blood. And so she... <laughs> yep. <laughs> Drank her way ah. through the field. Ah, and got shit house. <laughs> yes. She got shit house wasted and then passed out. Okay. And when she woke up, she was like hungover and like over the thirst for blood. <laughs> and <laughs> I've had the same experience, but with tequila. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like peaceful now. And Ra was like, okay, now you will. You're no longer Sekhmet because you're not mad. You're Hathor. Okay. So Hathor and Sekhmet are the same. Okay. But just angry and that's why she she's the god of so many things. Oh, So, like, okay. there was war but also love. Like, is, is, she's a before and after. Yeah. She's two sides of the same coin. Okay. Okay. Why am I talking in idioms? I don't know, so but he does, like, four of them in, in 20 minutes. So just started unleashing them left and right. <laughs> So, the figure of Sekhmet and Hathor did, like, a complete 180 in terms of beliefs and punishments. Uh-huh. And she was respected, revered, and feared by Egyptians. But they knew that if they didn't do anything wrong, uh-huh. she would be a gracious god. Okay. And they wouldn't be on the receiving end of her wrath. So, Sekhmet is the angry, like, alter ego of Hathor. Or mm-hmm. Hathor is the, like, loving alter ego of Sekhmet. Okay. As Sekhmet... She could bring, like, disease and plague to those who wronged her and, like, Mm. murder. Yeah. But if you were good to her, she was the master of art and medicine. So she could also provide medicines to ailments and, like, Mm -hmm. treatments. Oh, wow. So she's simultaneously a creative and destructive force in legends. As a deity of medicine, her 
in real life. Her priests uh-huh. in her temples and stuff were known to be very skilled doctors. Hmm. Also fearing that humankind would offend her and unleash her powers of discre- destruction again. Yeah. They developed an elaborate ritual that revolved around, like, 700 statues of the goddess. Oh, wow. In a temple. Um, it didn't say what the ritual was, uh-huh. but that they performed it every day of the year. Um, in front of, like, a different statue. Uh-huh. Like, they would just go in the circle of statues. They were terrified. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And only by the strictest adherence to these rituals could the Egyptians be assured that Sekhmet wouldn't come back. Oh. Uh, in addition to this, an annual festival, annual festival was held at the beginning of the year to honor her. Do you know what it celebrated? Um, yes. Oh. Uh, beer. Close, yes. <laughs> um, it's the Festival of Intoxication. Oh, I'm into a festival like that. Yeah. So, to appease her mm-hmm. and celebrate what caused her to stop the destruction, mm-hmm. they were like, we shall also get shitty wasted. <laughs> And so, at the festival, Egyptians danced and played music and drank just a shit ton of wine and dyed beer. And they were like, we have to be extremely drunk in order to... We gotta go all in or she's gonna think we're a bunch of wieners. Exactly. And unleash her wrath. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) And the participation in the festival was, like, huge. And Mm -hmm. so, like... The priestesses and the priests would also join in and get mm-hmm. shit house wasted. And historical records show that, like, tens of thousands of people attended this <laughs> festival each year. <laughs> I can't work today. <laughs> I have to go get drunk. I have to get drunk or else the world will end. It's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> connecting... Uh-huh. Segment to another woman who we've done. Oh. Hapchitsput. Hapchitsput. Uh-huh. In the height of her reign, it's speculated that she had a, quote, porch of drunkness built into a temple for Sekhmet. Oh. What's a porch of drunkness, you ask? I don't know. It, it sounds say. like a porch where you just get drunk. You just get real tipsy. Yeah. I would like one. You, you have one. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have a porch where I get drunk. You have a patio. <laughs> the pa- <laughs> the patio of drunkness. It has a name now. <laughs> <laughs> Another pharaoh that really liked her was Amenhotep the Third. Okay. So it's speculated that he was suffering from like a number of health problems, uh-huh. and so he had over six hundred statues built. In honor wow. of her, to keep to keep around like the hope that she would then cure him of his yeah, illnesses. Yeah. Because of her association with protection, she is depicted in like all images of embalming uh-huh. rites. Okay, and her head, like it, not necessarily like her full head, mm-hmm. but like no, not head, full body, mm-hmm. but her head. Is, like, always in temples and, like, burial okay. grounds. Uh-huh. Um, she has a tufted tail and, like, her feet often show as well. Uh-huh. Um, she was meant to guide them into the afterlife 
And because of this, her image is super well preserved. Interesting. So, um, so as Hathor mm-hmm. and Sekhmet, she looks the same. As Hathor, she doesn't have a lion head. Oh, okay. But you know that statue of, um, it's hard, but that like the sitting statue uh-huh. with the big circle thing on the head, yes. and there's a woman with hair like goes down to like her uh-huh. her breasts. That's Hathor. Okay. And then when it's that same sitting position, same thing on the head, same hair, but mm-hmm. a lion face, that's Sekhmet. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I was wondering how to differentiate between them. Yeah. Okay. So not only that... Oh, so her image is super well preserved. hmm Not only that, the statues and busts that were made of her were specifically designed to last. So they don't really express, like, a lot of facial features there's no okay and there's not a lot of space there's not a lot of things to be broken off yeah like and her arms are like down by her body they're Uh like up and like there's no limbs that can be falling off i think most damage comes to the disc that's on top of her head but other than that they're like super well preserved wow yeah that's really cool so i wrote no nose will be falling off her like that they're (laughs) sphinx And then I was going to end with, like, how many, like, I tried to look up how many statues there were. I googled how many Sekhmet statues are there. Because so far, there are a ton. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) the Google search said two because it was sitting and standing. Like, there are two types (laughs) of Sekhmet statues. (laughs) And that's not what I wanted. But it's just so many that... Like, I couldn't count. Like, yeah. every, almost every museum, like, uh-huh. major museum has a Sekhmet statue. Gotcha. Because underneath the Google search that said two. Uh-huh. Duh. <laughs> it was like, this, this exhibition has, exhibition has now found ten statues. Yeah. This one has found sixty. This one is, and it's, they're just constantly. There's gotta just, be thousands. Yeah. I mean, and the Egyptian civilization mm-hmm. with with pharaohs and things like that was thousands of years yeah. long and they worshiped the same gods from beginning to end that's mm-hmm. however many pharaohs and however many priests and that's a lot of people making statues yeah damn that's, that's crazy i had never of the egyptian gods that i know of uh-huh. ra isis osiris horus yeah never heard of sekhmet but I'm surprised, because if she's everywhere... Yeah. <laughs> how did I miss this? How did you miss this? I had heard the name Sekhmet, mm-hmm. and there's another one that has... I can't remember her name. I think it starts with a B, but she's got a hippo head. She's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I saw her. I She came up Yeah. in, in the hyperlinks. I, yeah. Those. I remember having to do... It was a history project of some sort, and had to... Do research on one of the the mm. Egyptian goddesses. Yeah. That's cool. Sekhmet sounds like a... She's badass. Yeah. <laughs> she's fearsome and... And likes to party. Yeah. <laughs> fearsome partier. Hmm. Fearsome partier. Me too. <laughs> Towerette. Is There's there... one called, like, Batet. That's the one I'm thinking of. Bastet. Bastet. I... She has a cat head. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yes. not like a lion, but like a cat. 
Well, she. I think she came up because there's some speculations that they might be linked. Oh. Or like the same. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. That's the one. And that was segment. Beautiful. Way to go. <laughs> I love it's so it's, it, and it's always okay. Guys, I'm just going to break this down. When we record, we both show up with like two stories, you know, two women mm-hmm. to talk about or whatever. And so today, you know, when I did last week's episode on Huda Sha'awari, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Egypt. We haven't talked about Egypt since, like, <laughs> I don't know, episode, <laughs> let me, let me look, nine? And so, yeah, I was like, oh, we'll go to, we'll go to Egypt. And then I had that same thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had that exact same thought. <laughs> Perfect. Who are you doing today? I am, I'm not doing anyone in particular. I love these. But let me just, I'm just going to start into into my story here. Okay. Sorry, I cracked my thumbs. I <sighs> thought I picked up an audio. <laughs> Probably. Oh, sorry. All right. Miami. Okay. September 14th, 1985. Okay. Picture it. Picturing it. It's hot. Everybody's that has wearing nothing white. To... Okay. <laughs> you're completely, I'm the scene. You're completely missing the point, though. That's okay. I forgive you. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm so... I'm, like, on the edge of my seat. I need you to get talking. (laughs) Okay. Susan Harris has Mm. created an outstanding new television series. It's a story about four women over 50 living together in a house in Miami. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Sorry I fell over because I was so excited. Okay. <clears throat> this was a demographic that had never been addressed in television history. So... On this particular day, September 14th, 1985, the very first episode of The Golden Girls Mm -hmm. aired on NBC. Yep. (laughs) So, like I said, (laughs) you're, like, (laughs) losing your fucking mind. I'm just excited because I was like, who, who's it going to, I thought you were, so Danny had told me that you were going to do multiple women. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, she's probably going to do the, um, oh. You told you briefly told me about them. The women who, nuclear the nuclear. Oh yeah 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 the um uh the radium ra- the radium girls. Yeah, so that's what that's what I was prepping for. I thought I was so fucking smart. I was like, that's what's gonna happen. No no. And, but it's the Golden Girls, and I'm excited to hear about it. Golden Girls. Sorry, I'll I calm down. I do have to ask you though. Do you do you watch the Golden Girls? Have mm-hmm. you seen the Golden Girls? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. I um. My mom, it would, like, play in the background. Uh-huh. Like, reruns with the Jeffersons and... hmm And then I recently started watching them again because I wanted to start from the beginning. Yeah. And watch all the way through. All 180 episodes? Yep. I've seen it. every single episode of the Golden <laughs> Girls. I will. And, and a couple episodes, actually, probably the whole season, because it wasn't very long, of the Golden Palace, mm-hmm. which is the, um, the sequel Essentially, to the Golden Girls. Okay. So, like I said, 
The Golden Girls, the show in the mid-80s, is a demographic that had never been addressed before. Mm-hmm. And what initially started as a joke on Miami Vice, mm-hmm. someone... Oh, no, excuse me. It wasn't on Miami Vice. It was on a different TV show. So on, like, a, a drama series. Mm-hmm. Someone said, oh, yeah, there's this new show about... For ladies who all live together, it's called Miami Nice. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but chat, you know? Yeah. And so somebody was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and they were, but they decided that Miami Nice couldn't be the actual name of the show because Miami Vice mm-hmm. was a huge hit in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They were like, they're too close together. We can't have that. So. Uh, this man went to his wife, Susan Harris, mm-hmm. and said, what do you what do you think of this? Do you think we could make this happen? And she took it and ran with it. So the the show aired from September 1985 until the last episode aired May 9th of 1992. Mm-hmm. There's 180 episodes that ran over four seasons. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot lot of seasons. That's a lot of episodes per season. It is. You said four seasons? Seven seasons. Seven. Okay. Seven. (laughs) Seven seasons, 180 episodes. Yeah, it's 20, no, 15, 18. I don't know math. I don't know math You can tell me a number and I'll be like, yeah, We're not going to try. (laughs) Okay. So, the Golden, I'm just going to start. The Golden Girls received critical acclaim throughout its entire run. It won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series twice, and it won three Golden Globes for Best Television Series over the course of its show running. It's ranked among the top ten highest rated programs six out of those seven seasons. Oh, wow. Which is impressive. Yeah. The show was taped in front of a live studio audience in Burbank. Each episode, we find the girls overcoming challenges, dealing with relationships, and navigating life as a single woman over 50. If you ask Blanche, over 40. (laughs) (laughs) So, when I was trying to figure out how to delve into this, I was Mm -hmm. like, I can talk about the show, and obviously I want to talk about... Specifically, the characters. Mm-hmm. So, Estelle Getty, B. Arthur, Betty White, and Rue McClanahan are all fucking moxie ladies. Yeah. 100%. And, but I just didn't have, I don't have enough time. Yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> to do both the character and their, like, actual real their life. actual real life actress. So, I'm going to talk about... Each of the characters. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with the matriarch of the Golden Girls, Sophia Petrillo. Sophia Petrillo is most likely born in April of 1905. Aries. An Aries, exactly. (laughs) In a small village in Sicily. Okay. She has two sisters named Angela and Regina and her brother Angelo. After having her first marriage, so her first marriage was an arranged marriage Hmm. when she was only 14. 
Okay. And so she had that annulled. And then she got engaged to another young man, and he stood her up at the altar. Mm. And so she cursed him. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As you do. And then she moved to New York City, where she met Salvador Sal mm-hmm. uh, Petrillo and married him. He was an Italian mechanic. And they had three children, Dorothy, who's the oldest, Gloria, and Phil. Mm-hmm. So we first meet Sophia in the first episode when she arrives at the house after leaving Shady Pines. Mm-hmm. So Shady Pines is a retirement home that she was living at that had just burned down. Yes. So she shows up. She says, hello, I'm here. And what? Aren't you? Where, why aren't you at the home? Mm-hmm. It's up in flames. <laughs> also, in later episodes, she is arrested for arson, for setting this fire, <laughs> because they think it was her using a hot plate to make s'mores that started uh, this fire. Yeah. However, later, uh, Rose determines, Rose of all people, yeah, <laughs> d- um, got down to business and figured out that it was actually faulty wiring. Mm-hmm. Shady Pines had paid, had paid off some people mm-hmm. to say that it was not their fault, basically. Yeah. All right. Bastards. So. Um, Shady bastards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, so oftentimes, Sophia mentions her ties to the mafia <laughs> and suggests she may have been involved with mob work. Here's two little, two little quotes. So she says, uh, sticks and stones can break your bones, but cement pays homage <laughs> to tradition. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she claimed to have been at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. <laughs> God. <laughs> and when everyone looks at her and goes, what? She goes, oh, yeah, I, w- I was at the movies that day. All day. <laughs> um, Sophia also strongly believes in ancient Sicilian curses. Mm-hmm. And it does this very often. Mm-hmm. In one particularly good episode, Sophia is fighting with her sister, Angela, mm-hmm. and they're cursing each other back and forth. And one of the most brilliant ones comes from Sophia, and she says, May you put your dentures in upside down and chew your head off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sophia is a straight talker. She's snarky, sarcastic, quick to complain. Mm-hmm. Which she does often. But she loves Dorothy very much, despite how much she razzes her about everything. everything. <laughs> and she loves Blanche and Rose. Like, they're her own children. Mm-hmm. She also gives great advice. And she, uh, she's she got zingers. Just yeah, that's her thing. Left and right. She's sassy and does not... Does not have a filter of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh... Like Danny. (laughs) (laughs) I think she was trying to interject something, not volunteer herself as that. (laughs) Yes. She has no filter. It's said in the show that she had a stroke Mm -hmm. several years ago and that it did damage to the part of her brain that, you know. Filters. That filters. (laughs) So now it's just, she thinks it and out it comes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
much to everybody's <laughs> much to everyone's uh, dismay. So she has great great advice. Most of her stories start with Sicily. Yeah, nineteen something. Picture it. <laughs> um, but I thought she's like I said, she's got all these really great quippy zingers, right? Mm-hmm. But one really great quote that I that was really meaningful mm-hmm. and that was a lot more deep than, you know, what Sophia is known for. Mm-hmm. She says, it's not whether you agree or disagree with somebody. It's whether you can be there for that person when they need you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is a great, it's a great example of like, yes, she can be a hard ass and is constantly getting on the girl's cases about one thing or another. Mm-hmm. But when it comes right down to it, she loves them and believes that family should stick together and they're they're her girls. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's a smart cookie. She's yeah. feisty. So now, I'm going to talk about Dorothy. Dorothy Zbornak is Sophia's oldest child. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1929 in Leo season. So sometime, you know, between July and August. Okay. She was born in New York City, specifically Brooklyn. Of course. Uh, (laughs) She's a tough broad. (laughs) She is a real tough broad. Her nickname is Pussycat. That's what Sophia calls her all the time. As a child, she was a smart overachiever. Uh, She was very tall and a little awkward. And as a teenager had, you know, low Mm self-esteem. So she had, first she had a real dick of a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And then she met a very nice guy who came to take her to prom. Mm -hmm. He wasn't dressed appropriately and got a little sassy with Sophia, so she sent him away never to return. (laughs) Of course. We find out much later that uh, Dorothy is like, you did what? Oh. And because she felt slighted mm-hmm. by this nice guy, she decided to go on a date with Stanley Spornak, mm-hmm. who's kind of a loser, but she was like, well, I can't do any better. Oh. However, <laughs> he gets her drunk. And then? And then she gets knocked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Use protection. She. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So she has, she gets pregnant with Stan's baby, and then they have this shotgun wedding. However, it it clearly wasn't terrible because they were married for thirty eight years. Mm-hmm. Was it not terrible, or is it just for the time? I think you should stay. I no, because there are episodes that's true where yeah. Dorothy talks about him being a good father and a good husband, and her actually. Like, really loving him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he was a giant piece of shit mm-hmm. and <laughs> ran off with a stewardess. And um, her name was Chrissy. And she says, I didn't write this one down, but she says something to the effect of he got on a plane, she introduced himself, and, you know, everybody gets laid when they get to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. She misunderstood, and now they live in Maui together. <laughs> so Stan, you know, says, 
having an affair and basically left Dorothy to kind of pick up the pieces after nearly four decades together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a quote of hers. Oh, I remember when Stanley told me he was having an affair. It was at least 24 hours before I cut the crotches out of all of his slacks. <laughs> <laughs> the writers of this show, fantastic. Oh my God. Just the, like, character development. The, and- the most, like, this is... This is an insignificant amount. Like, this was, like, bare bones. What can I, like, get out mm-hmm. there quickly and give a, a well enough, yeah, you know. funny. Oh, my gosh. And it's from the first episode. Uh, yes. Pilots are terrible. Garbage. Pilot episodes <laughs> are garbage TV. Golden Girls, fantastic. Hit the pilot the, episode. Hit the ground running. Yeah. Absolutely. So Dorothy was the first person in her um, in her family to go to college. She graduated with a degree in English, and she worked as a substitute. So throughout her life, um, as a wife and a homemaker, she also worked as a substitute teacher for English and American history. Hmm. Um, of all the women in the house, she is the most grounded. Uh, though she's often mocked for being, you know, quote, like, manly mm-hmm. and sexually, like, unattractive. Yeah. Because she's, she's got a deep voice. She's super tall. And she has, I don't I guess, more severe features. Like, she's a very, she's got a prominent nose. Mm-hmm. And she just has, like, the face of a warrior. Yeah. And, you know, she gets teased about it. Yeah. And so there's there's an episode and Blanche says to Dorothy since since when do you care about about how you look? Mm-hmm. And Dorothy says I think it started when I came down from the bell tower and had my hump fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so despite all of these things. Like I said, she's super grounded. Um, she's also very talented. Uh, she's a great singer, mm-hmm. which everyone finds out when she goes to the Rusty Anchor with Blanche one night mm-hmm. and starts, like, singing along with the, you know, the jazz songs on the piano. In a later episode, we find out she's not bad at stand-up comedy. She's actually real funny. And she's super smart because she was on Jeopardy. Oh, Alex. <laughs> yes. Alex Trebek and Blanche. Wait, why did I say Blanche? Dorothy. <laughs> uh, she's very dedicated and strong-willed and knows how to be a good friend, even when her mother and roommates make her crazy. Yes. Um, so specifically with Rose, she she loves Rose dearly, but she's mm-hmm. like, I cannot with you. <laughs> um, so... Oftentimes she teases, you know, she makes fun of her for not being very smart. And so she says, go to sleep, sweetheart. Pray for brain. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you know, kind of the running joke through the whole series is um, her casual references to Shady Pines when Sophia is mouthing off and, you know, Mm -hmm. keeps her in check and... <laughs> and it's always shady pines, ma. <laughs> you know, or refers to like going back to the home. Yeah. There's also this great 
quote. It's it's a funny meme because it's a picture of Dorothy saying this and then a picture of Sophia's face. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Dorothy says to Sophia, you're a furry little gnome and we feed you too much. <laughs> <laughs> And that's one of the that's one of the best ones that she <laughs> is that is that the episode where she's dying or like thinks she's dying? Yes. Because she's yes. eaten so much and the doctor comes over and was like, You just ate so much. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. You feel sick because you ate that yes. much. She's like, Yeah, yes, I believe okay. it's that episode. Such a good episode. It's a good episode. Uh, okay. Now we're gonna talk about Rose. Mm-hmm. So Rose Nyland, she's born in Saint Olaf, Minnesota. She's from my country. <laughs> <laughs> she was apparently left on a doorstep in a basket with some hickory smoked cheese and some crackers that didn't go with anything. <laughs> so she spent eight year the first eight years of her life in, in an orphanage before being adopted to the Lindstroms, who were. Um, uh, farmers. Mm-hmm. They lived on a big farm. Uh, so growing up, she was surrounded by farm, you know, lots of farm animals and a very, very small, secluded little Minnesotan, Norwegian city, mm-hmm. town. She was the valedictorian of her high school class because she drew the longest straw. <laughs> And she was also voted most likely to get stuck in a tuba. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, She also had a flea circus and she taught Herring how to jump through hoops. Um, So she got older and then she married Charlie Nyland. She raised five children and one of the main plot points of her storyline is that she and Charlie had a very very active sex life. So much so that throughout the 60s, you know, the 50s and 60s, she'd never heard of I Love Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a whole bit about Blanche is going to stay up all night and watch an I Love Lucy marathon and she says, I love Lucy and Rose says... I don't know if I love Lucy. I like Lucy. <laughs> um, specifically, uh, so she, she's, she told the girls, she's telling the girls that Charlie, um, her husband, died of a heart attack during sex. Yep. And, and then she goes on to say, oh, well, we used to do it twice a day, once before breakfast and once after dinner. And then Blanche remarks, no wonder you still mourn that man. <laughs> <laughs> so after Charlie's death, she moves to Miami. And that's where she, she first meets Blanche in the pilot episode when she's looking for, she, she finds a kitten. She's looking for, you know, someone to take this kitten. Blanche is putting a poster up in the grocery store and says, I have a room to rent, you know. Oh, no. She said, gosh, how's it go? I'm Blanche Devereaux. I have a room to rent or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Rose goes, why would you name a room Blanche Devereaux? (laughs) And Blanche goes, oh, I like you. You're funny. (laughs) Unbeknownst to her. That she would later be like, oh, my gosh, you are just a loon. <laughs> All right. 
So, uh, she moves to Miami. Rose first is working as a grief counselor. And then through more episodes, um, actually has trouble finding work. Mm -hmm. uh, But then finds work as an assistant to a TV consumer reporter. And that's kind of what she does for the, the following seasons. Rose tells many stories about St. Olaf and has a multitude of Minnesotan anecdotes. Speaking of idioms, mm-hmm. <laughs> she, one, a quote from her says, You know what they say, you can lead a herring to water, but you have to walk really fast or he'll die. <laughs> uh, Rose is simple-minded. She's always... You know, positive thinking, very upbeat, and is ready to help. Although, um, she is super competitive. Yeah. Um, There are several episodes where she's doing one thing or another. You know, one episode they're on a, they're on a bowling team. team, Yeah. And, you know, they're bowling against each other. She's super competitive in that. She teaches little league, uh, she coaches little league She's a, a scout leader for Girl Scouts. She's also bilingual in Norwegian. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> and we can tell <laughs> because she uses lots of Norwegian colloquialisms in her everyday speech, mm-hmm. including, uh, quote, I'm not one to blow my own for Tubenflugen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so despite her being real, you know, like, upbeat and happy all the time, she does reach a breaking point, and she can get real sassy with the girls when she's had enough. hmm In one episode, so Rose comes walking out of her room holding a bucket, and Dorothy asks her if her ceiling is leaking, and Res- Rose <laughs> says, No, Dorothy, I just finished milking the cow I keep in my closet. <laughs> And then Dorothy gives her this look of, like, excuse you? (laughs) And then Rose says, gee, with only three hours of sleep, I can be as bitchy as you. (laughs) That's Rose. And last but not least, Blanche Devereaux. Blanche. Ah, Blanche Devereaux. Also, I would like to just throw this out there. There's tons of, like, BuzzFeed quizzes Mm -hmm. that are like, which golden girl are you? Mm Mm-hmm. To, I'm, sh- I'm sure you can probably assume this, but other people who don't necessarily know me or Danny, mm-hmm. the way our personalities are, mm-hmm. Danny is Sophia and Dorothy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I am Rose and Blanche. Yeah. That's yeah. Fits. Yeah. So there's a little insight into <laughs> this situation over here. <laughs> okay, so Blanche Devereaux. <clears throat> Nay Hollingsworth. She was born and raised near Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. We don't know when because changes she her age. Never <laughs> it, you know, she never says what her actual age is. She grew up as a wealthy southern debutante. Mm-hmm. Growing up, she had a mammy named Viola Watkins and her father's name was Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. She was the middle child of five siblings who she's very, very competitive with. 
and just was always looking how to, you know, how to, how can I one up my sisters and be the center of attention and very, she says, she says Southern girls develop or mature faster Mm -hmm. because of all the humidity. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, from a fairly early age, she's very boy crazy and has a lot of gentleman callers. Yes. She married George Devereaux. Again, we don't know when, but they were together for probably, you know, I think we can kind of assume maybe 30 years, Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 years. And together they had four children. Although that, because of writing and continuity things, in one episode it's six and another episode, you know, she names off six and then in another episode she says... Four, mm-hmm. but there is one episode, and specifically where she says, "I've had four children. I've never had a BMW." Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So George, her husband George, died in a fatal car accident, and so after that, Blanche takes up her old ways of being a flirt and kind of a man eater. And has many, many relationships over the course of the seven seasons. In fact, all of them, all of the women have romantic relationships mm-hmm. of some type or the other. Of some type or another. There's a lot of them, so I didn't want to go through all of them. Specifically Blanche's, because yeah. it's like a new, you know, a every, new suitor every, every episode. episode. <laughs> she had 180 suitors. Exactly. <laughs> and then some. Um, so she, uh, this is a quote from Blanche says, Grandma Hollingsworth always said I was a little flighty or was it a little floozy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in Miami, she works as an assistant director at an art museum. In general, Blanche is a little man hungry. Uh, she's sexually liberated, smart, classy, confident, and very fashionable. And I was, vain always sounds like a really negative word. Mm-hmm. So I, fashionable, but also like self-assured, self-assured confident. and like exercises and is very concerned about her figure mm-hmm. and her wrinkles. And, you know, she wants to maintain her, her youthfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also very conservative and a Republican and just a little bit racist. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up when she did in the South, she how she was raised, which is not great. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my favorite quotes is somebody walks in the room and scares her and she goes, I'm as jumpy as a virgin at a prison rodeo. <laughs> She also enjoys acting in community theater and does a lot of volunteering with Rose. Mm-hmm. Like, on lots of episodes. Like, all, all of the women do volunteer work. Yeah. But she is often seen doing activities with Rose. Acting is one of those things. And all, all of these things because she, she can meet eligible bachelors. Yes. Um, and another one that I thought was funny. It's at... It's Christmas time, 
they're all volunteering at a soup kitchen. Stan comes in dressed as a Santa and Blanche turns away real quickly and Rose, I think, says, you know, what's wrong? And she says, the sight of a Santa sets my body aflame with unbridled <laughs> desire. <laughs> and it's epic and hilarious. <laughs> okay. Blanche so, has a Santa kink. Oh, she does, girl. <laughs> so, one of the biggest reasons why the Golden Girls did so well mm-hmm. was for several reasons. It's the mid-80s. Lots of things are changing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said, this was a demographic that was new. And the show dealt with a lot of controversial issues for the 80s. There are several episodes where they talk about coming out Mm -hmm. as gay and lesbian. Blanche's brother Clayton comes out to her and she has a huge problem with it. Yeah. There's an episode where a friend of Dorothy's from college comes to stay. Her name is Jean. And she thinks she's in love with Rose. Mm -hmm. And so they're having this discussion with Sophia. And Sophia says, Jean is a nice person. She happens to like girls instead of guys. Some people like cats instead of dogs. Frankly, I'd rather live with a lesbian than a cat. (laughs) Unless the lesbian sheds, then I don't know. (laughs) Which is hysterical and perfect. Mm -hmm. I live with both. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they also address elder, like, appropriate elder care. Yeah. Slash, like, elder abuse. You know, and how we take care of our old people, whether it be... With uh, social security and stuff, or in retirement slash nursing homes, and also homelessness, mm-hmm. and how that affects, you know, how that affects older adults who you can't make ends meet for one reason or another, they end up homeless. Mm-hmm. They discuss the topic of HIV and AIDS, and the discrimination of people living with HIV and AIDS. There are, there's an episode where Blanche goes to get an HIV test. Oh, wow. And it, she's petrified. She's so scared. And she's talking to Rose and Rose says something to the effect, it's super ignorant, Mm -hmm. something to the effect of Or only people who are doing bad things get it. Yeah. And Blanche very blatantly, like, looks at Rose and is like, AIDS is not just something that... It's not something that happens to bad people. Yeah. Which is absolutely true. Like, Mm -hmm. there are many, many, like, ways that someone can get HIV and AIDS... That has nothing to do it, with who you are as a person. Yeah. Or your character. Or your, exactly. Like nothing. That's... To say that in the 80s. In... Right in the fucking heart of it, too. Mm-hmm. I think that was... I want to say season four? Season mm-hmm. three or four? And that was in, like, 87, 88. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... It's a hot button issue. Yeah. And they just... Boom. 
taking a stance on it. Yes, like, exactly. A stance like that is mm-hmm. um, admirable. They also talked about U.S. immigration policies. Um, There's an episode where Dorothy helps this young man write a story about, you know, immigration and where he came from, etc. And then he actually ends up getting deported with his family. Mm. And she's like, I'm going to do everything I can to bring you home. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about death and um, an illness as as older people mm-hmm. and what that means and how scary it is when something happens and you don't know if it's if you know if it's the end of your life yeah um and they also talk about assisted suicide in a couple different episodes one of sophia's friends actually asks her to be there when she does it. Mm-hmm. And Sophia has a real crisis, like, deciding what to do. Not to mention, they also talk about everyday things, like education mm-hmm. and racism. And they also talk about safe sex, which yeah. is also pretty remarkable in the 80s. As older women, yeah. I mean, it's 2019, and people are... All the Twitter because of like Frank and uh, Grace and Frankie, mm-hmm. and the things that the issues that they deal with on on the show. Yeah, but in the eighties, Dorothy talking about, yeah, you're in your fifties, you're not going to get pregnant, but that's not the only reason why you should be using condoms. Yeah, there's STDs, and you know, and just being being safe with when having multiple partners and things like that it was just just kind of revolutionary yeah be like hey guess what women over 50 are having sex are enjoying it and are doing it with more than one person yeah you know so all of that is to say the golden girls was a really, really incredible show. It has stood the test of time. Yeah. I'm 32. I'm going to be 32. Mm-hmm. It's om- The show's been off the air for almost, let's see, 27 years. Mm-hmm. And it's more, po- it, it could potentially be more popular today yeah. than it was then. It ended in... 92. Yeah. So it ended before I was born. Exactly. (laughs) And I still know and like it a lot. Absolutely. It just, it's absolutely stands the test of time. It can, it continues to be relevant. Exactly. There's, I have, we have the game board clue. Mm -hmm. It's the golden girls edition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was very briefly, it closed after less than a year, but there was the, a little, uh, a little cafe in New York City called Rue La Rue mm. that was a Golden Girls themed like coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It's it's iconic mm-hmm. and everyone loves it and it speaks to all generations whether you were, you know, whether you were an infant mm-hmm. in the 80s or a 30-year-old in the 80s and are watching it, you know, watching or just a twinkle in your mom's eye or just a twinkle in your mom's <laughs> eye for shit's sake. <laughs> So it really does, it crosses so many generations and 
just speaks to so many people Mm -hmm. 30-some years later. And the humor is just so And it's just so fucking well-written. So funny. (laughs) Uh, I could have sat here and just talked for an hour, like, quotes. But I was like, okay, you need to dial it back. I've got four pages already. So, anyway. Yeah. That's the Golden Girls. Also. Thank you for being. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> as a bop, as an intro it song. It is. <laughs> oh, man. Miami, Miami. You've got stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that was so nice. I just like, it was fun to hear about. It was. I didn't interject much because it was just nice on its own. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I did it because I, like I said, I've seen every episode mm. multiple times. I have my favorites for sure, but it's real good. Thank you. All right. Okay. <sighs> so we're it wrapping it up. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram, please. At that broad Scott Moxie. Also, we're on Twitter at broad Scott Moxie. That's right. And rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. We're on a lot of things. (laughs) Basically, like, everything, right? Pretty much, except for maybe, like, some smaller things. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, uh, if you just listen to this episode, just, I'm sure we're, like, there, wherever you're listening. Give us five stars. (laughs) Tell us how funny we are. Yes. Or how smart we are. We, you know, just, like... Just be nice. Just be nice, please. <laughs> um, if if you have more to say to us besides like a quick comment of yeah, you're great. Go ahead and shoot us an email mm-hmm. at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail dot com, and just tell us. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to to get little, you know, little mm-hmm. notes. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all we got for you guys. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to speak into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.